Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church. And, uh, I think, of course, uh, this video introducing our series for this month kind of chases us all the way to the end. So in many respects, we know the end of the story already today. But let's watch the progression, if we will. And so, as you know, every Sunday, someone else will be teaching from this course for this month. And uh, so, from their perspective, and we're going to walk through the life of the of Dan and the tribe of Dan. I'm I'm uh, excited to begin this series today because I believe that there is something that we can get a hold of. There's a promise here that we can pull into our own life. However. No matter what God does for us, I think since we um, are understanding at least the snapshot of this story in whole, that we need to understand this, that no matter what God does for us in the beginning of our lives, and no matter what God makes of us from what we bring to him at the very beginning, it's up to us. It's up to us what we do with the chance that God gives us. It's really and truly up to us. And so... Um, as many things have been stated this morning, but help me, uh, or if you will, just I want to back up a little bit and just talk about this, and then we'll launch out into our first lesson. As it's been stated, Dan was one of the 12 tribes of Israel, and it was a tribe named after the firstborn son of Jacob and Bilhah. And Bilhah was a maidservant of Jacob's second wife, Rachel. And uh, there's, there's nothing, if there's nothing else at all that we can bring away from today's study, I want to just, let's stay in the context of today's study. If there's nothing else that we can take home from today's study, I think it should encourage us to follow God's plan and purpose for our life. God has a plan for our life. Like he did with Dan, I believe that God can establish his purpose in our life. I'm going to say again, it's up to us what we do with it from here, but God can take nothing and God can take something perhaps uh, that's battered and bruised and make something beautiful out of it. In our text of Genesis 49, Genesis 49 and 16, the Bible says, Dan shall judge his people as one of the tribes of Israel. Now this statement, this verse doesn't mean as much to us right now as it will hopefully in just a little while. And then Jacob says, Dan shall be a serpent by the way, an adder in the path that biteth the horse heels so that the rider shall fall backwards. Backward. And then verse 18 said, I have waited for thy salvation, O Lord. And so we're gonna talk today about Dan's purpose. You see, God doesn't just randomly throw us into this world, but the Lord 
systematically sets us where he wants us. The scripture talks about setting the solitary into families and, and uh, God is a God of order. And so we are ourselves ordered by the hand of God. The story of Rachel and her sister Leah, I understand my audience today, so I, I feel the liberty to step off a little bit deeper into the pool than maybe I would have to otherwise. But the story of Rachel and her sister Leah is not only a strange story, but it's an interesting story. Jacob loved Rachel, but he was tricked by her father into marrying her sister Leah. And so we think about that, there would be nothing funny about that at all. And so here is this odd and awkward relationship that gets off to an incredibly rough start. However, Rachel was barren and Leah was anything but barren. Therefore, Jacob and Leah had, had, uh, had began to have children first, first one, then two, and then three. And then when Leah gave birth to her fourth child, she named that fourth son Judah. Now, what should have been a cause for celebration, what should have been a moment that we would gather together and rejoice in that another child has been added to the family, turned out to be really the last straw, the breaking point for Rachel. There are a few things in this story that can't become lost to us, and I think number one, at the top of that list, it should be made clear that from the very beginning of their relationship, now remember that he loved Rachel, Jacob loved Rachel, but his father-in-law to be tricked him into marrying her sister, Leah. And so after this rough and tumbled start, they finally was able, he was finally able to marry Rachel, but Jacob let it be known from the very beginning that Rachel is my favorite. And so any of you ladies just want to put yourself in those sandals for just a moment and stand. And so you're in the household and there's another lady in the, in the mix and, and, uh, and he is saying and this right here is, that's my favorite. The fact that Jacob loved her more than Leah didn't lessen Rachel's disappointment in the fact that she was barren. And so I am the favored wife. I am loved more than her, but I'm barren and she's having children and I want to have children. And so in Genesis chapter 30 and verse number one, I believe it gives us some keen insight into how Rachel truly felt. There is a plea in these words. There's passion in these words. When Rachel says, give me children or else I die. I must have children, and and uh, it, that had to be a very frustrating moment. It, it is. You can read about it in Scripture that Jacob is somewhat frustrated by this because of his love, true love for for Rachel, and so here they are in this waiting point. Here they are in this moment where it seems like their life has been put on hold, and it was at this point of waiting on a promise that Rachel come up with a plan of her own. It sounds much like the story of Abraham and Sarah, doesn't it? The Lord made them a promise, and then all of a sudden, when the time drug out past their comfort zone, they said, what we really need to do is help God out here. So here it comes, here it comes. And so I would just wanna say this, it never works out when we try to plan for God, and it never works out when we try to get ahead of God. It just never works out. So here is Rachel who says, I, I'm clearly unable to have children, 
but I do have a servant girl and uh, her name is Bilha and maybe she could serve as a surrogate mother and we could just kind of get on with our lives and everything will be all right. And so like Abraham, Jacob conceded to the idea and sometime later, Bilhah's newborn son was resting peacefully in the arms of Rachel, not the mother, but in the arms of Rachel. And so in the, in the mind, in the, in the mind of, of, of this woman, she has, her plan has come together. Everything is just right. It, it's come together just like I wanted it. And for the moment, it seems as though that God has made and brought a balance to a situation that seemed unjust that somehow God had set things right. As a matter of fact, in Genesis chapter 30 and verse six, Rachel said, God hath judged me hath also, and hath also heard my voice and hath given me a son, therefore called she his name Dan. So she just spiritualized this whole thing. Amen. Have we all been there? Kind of worked out our own plan? Looks like it's going well. Why don't we just build an altar and celebrate? I mean, we have helped God out. Everything's going wonderful. Amen. So she just said, I'm going to say that God hath judged me and he has heard my voice and God has given me a son. And so she said, I'm going to call his name Dan. In truth, the birth of Dan was the outcome of an extremely selfish relationship, an extremely selfish arrangement. She goes to a servant girl and says, I need a favor from you. Now, the scripture does not indicate in any way that the relationship between or the union between Bilhah and, and uh, Jacob was God's idea. It was just absolutely, if I could be plain today, it was just absolutely the end result of another lady's manipulating the situation. We're just going to massage this. We're going to keep working at this and we're going to, you are going to have me the child that I can't have. And so from what we can see in scripture that the, that the biological mother of this child didn't even have much say so in all this. She was just the incubator, plain and simple. And after Dan was born, it, it seems very apparent in scripture that Rachel considered him to be her very own. And the actual mother of this child is just somewhere in the shadows on the sideline. As a matter of fact, it was Rachel that even took the liberty to name this child. The book of Genesis portrays Rachel as a schemer, and rightly so, not unlike her husband and not like un unlike her father. She was surrounded by schemers, and so she herself had been trained well. The biblical account of, of uh, the conflict between Rachel and Leah and the family dynamics in which these events occurred is hard for us to comprehend. Certainly in our Western culture, our mindset is beyond the realm of being able to comprehend this. But if we can just think biblically a little while this morning, we can see this family in context. But under these circumstances, it is certainly not surprising to see these sister brides at odds because here is one lady who knows that she is not favored and yet she has all the children. And it was an extremely uh, difficult thing in the mind, the heart of Rachel to be barren. And I've just, I've just got to believe in my heart with all this animosity under the same roof that Leah wasn't all that concerned about quieting down the crying babies. Because I want her to hear my victory. I want her to hear... 
I want her to hear my success. And she didn't stop them from running down the hallway. She wanted to send the message across to the favorite. You may be the favorite, but I've got seed running around this house. You may be the favorite, but but I am I, I am the favored one here in the sense of uh, of the fact that I can have these children. But it's noteworthy that that in the midst of all this dysfunction and in the midst of all this family drama, God just kind of steps into the midst of all this mess and says, "I want to teach an important lesson about someone's purpose, individual purpose, and about someone's individual value." Now. For for Bill Hutch, she is just the victim of circumstances in my mind, Amen. And for Rachel, she's just manipulating things to work into her favor. But but at the end of the day, we have a child born. We've got a human being. We've got an individual. We have got one of God's created own that is in the midst of all of this chaos. He didn't ask to be born. He didn't ask to be born in the midst of all this dysfunction. He didn't ask to be born in the middle of all this confusion. And so God says, I'm going to show you what I can do in the midst of all of this mess. Dan's birth was, I think, about something far greater than just upstaging his mother's rival. Dan's life had a purpose. And can I tell you today that I just feel a divine authority upon me today. I felt it last night in study and early again this morning that the Lord wants to speak something into our heart here today that there is a purpose in your life. Amen. You are here for a reason. You are even here for a reason. Amen. There is a purpose. You may think, well, in the middle of all the confusion, in the middle of all the dysfunction of my life and or family, how can anything good happen to this? I'm glad you ask. And I'm glad you're here today. And if you will listen to the word of the Lord, then God can underline that fact in your mind and your heart. Dan's life had a purpose and that purpose was really revealed in his name. In Genesis again, 30 and 6, the name Dan meant judge or God hath judged me. And so when Rachel chose the name of her son, she was really thinking about God has judged me and God has blessed me. But in truth, God had nothing to do with Dan. God had nothing to do with Dan being born. This was something born in her heart and in her mind and her husband went along with it. To Rachel it seemed as though God had judged the situation and God had made right all the wrongs that had happened in her life but Rachel didn't understand the full scope of what his name was really going to signify as time went on. We often don't understand the full purpose of our own life's experience. I don't think I'm alone here today whenever I say that there have been many situations I've looked at. My wife and I have talked about this many times in our own lives, not only individually, but all our own lives together since we've been married and how the situations and the circumstances that we go through, we just can't understand sometimes how is this going to have a purpose? How, how could this have any rhyme or how could this have any reason? We can think about the events of our lives present. We can think about the events of our lives past and try to wrap our mind around how God could take something like that and make anything from it. I will tell you today that we are not and you are not victims of chance. 
and our lives are not purely happenstance. And so the things that went wrong in your life, either at the hand of someone else or I'm gonna say even the things that went wrong in your life at the, at the discretion of your own wrong and poor decisions. God, if we will place them in his hands, God can take that and he can make something from it. Can we all just get on a level playing field here for just a moment and let's just say this, that sometimes life has dealt us unfair blows, but at other times we have added to that confusion by our response to some of those things. But can I tell you, that don't put, don't write the end just yet. Don't, don't, don't try to rush to the end of the book and put a period. I believe that God can take negative circumstances that were not even a part of his will and shape us through that into the kind of people that God can use to fulfill his purpose. <laughs> Hallelujah. Yes, he can. Yes, he can, and yes, he will, but I've got to say pliable, moldable, formable in the hands of the Lord. I can't let these circumstances, these situations jade me to the point that God can't use me. Rachel may have misread the purpose of Dan's birth to some degree, but she understood two important facts that are still true, that God hears the cries of those who are in need, and God is just, and God will do what's right. If we'll let him, God will do what's right. Rachel had deep character flaws. I don't think anybody would argue that. And, and she lived in a family that was marred by chaos, but her scars didn't scare God away. And can I tell you today that your scars won't scare God away. My scars won't scare God away. If I can put them in his hands and leave them there, he will see that he will see to it that we reach our desired, his desired end. We may not have a perfect family. I'm just gonna ask you, who does? There is no such thing as a perfect family. There's no such real, there's really no such thing as the proverbial home or the little white picket fence. You can find a house with a picket fence, but it may not be a home. Amen. But God can still take the roughest strands of our lives he can still take the roughest strands of our lives and in his masterful hands, he can weave a thing of beauty. I'm gonna tell you today, for all intent and purposes, many that are in this building should not be in this building today. Many that will watch and hear this message should not be able to be in a position to watch or hear this message. But somehow, by God's grace, you kept standing when life kept pushing you down. You kept getting back up when life kept knocking you down. And right now, we're on the potter's wheel and his hands are molding and shaping. Hallelujah. God has a purpose. And if we can just understand, just like Dan had a purpose, you have a purpose. Amen, Dan had a purpose, but so does Sherry. Dan had a purpose, but so does JT. Dan had a purpose, but so does every person in this building. If we can just leave ourselves in the hand of God. Amen. As a matter of fact, some of what you're going through, and I'm not suggesting that everything we go through, God is gonna just use that for a ministry point, but I believe that some things that we encounter and some of the things that we learn while dealing with some area of dysfunction in our own life can absolutely become a ministry to help somebody else dealing with the same thing. Yes, it can. Yes, it can. Time passed, but the family problems remain the same. 
But God finally gave Rachel a son that was truly her own, a biological son, Joseph. It quickly became apparent that Rachel's biological son, now watch this, the family dynamic shifts again. And so she pushes off on someone else the same thing that, was, that, had, that had happened earlier by her husband between her and Leah. It quickly became apparent that Rachel's biological son was not only her favorite, but it was, he then was also Jacob's favorite. Or rather, uh, their biological son, Joseph, was, was Jacob's favorite. Dan, the child of the, the household servant, the child that didn't ask to be born in any of this. Dan, the young man who was innocent on all counts, is standing there and with no vote, with no ability, with no voice, he becomes second place. Years later, as Jacob is laying dying, he called his sons to his bedside, which was very customary in that day. They were called to his bedside because it was here that fathers would pronounce their final judgment. These words were meaningful. This was a very serious moment. Dan stood with his brothers. He's listening as his father spoke prophetic things over each one of them. I don't know what might have been going through his mind. It was very clear at this point. He's a few seats back in the bus than he had been before the other children were born. It's very apparent that I do not occupy the same place that I once occupied. But finally, it was Dan's turn. A young man who didn't ask for any of this. And when he stood to his father's bed, the Bible says in Genesis 49 and 16, Dan shall judge his people, listen to this, as one of the tribes of Israel. It is so important that we don't miss that line. Dan shall judge his people as one of the tribes of Israel. Jacob spoke here and said that, Dan, you're not gonna be second fiddle. You're not gonna be out here outcast. We're not gonna put you over a little parcel of property here on the corner of the farm. He said, but I'm gonna make you a judge and you're gonna be a part of one of the tribes of Israel. And when he said those words, it reaffirmed Dan's lofty position in this family and it underscored his purpose. Jacob confirmed, sir, son, you do have a future in this family. And I just feel like God would have me to say to you this morning, sir and ma'am, you do have a future in this family. You may feel like life has pushed you aside. You might feel like your response to life's ills has pushed you aside. Some may feel like this morning that your own poor decisions has set you aside and God has somehow lost your address. Can I tell you, if you'll just wait on God, if you'll be patient in his hand, God can take nothing and he can make something. He is crafted and gifted and it happens again and again and again. Sometimes we see the end result of God's work and we think, wow, those people must have been born in a crystal palace and, and they must have lived in this protected environment and bubble their entire life and then God pulled them out of that spiritual womb just in time and set them in some lofty place of ministry usability. Can I tell you, if you could just dig through and find their story, you're gonna find probably as many scars or more than you bear in your own life. It's not about who got all the breaks. It's not about who has the last name that's just right. It's not about a silver spoon in somebody's proverbial mouth. It's about 
about someone that'll stay right in the mind and the hands of God and say, Lord, if you can use anything, you can use me. When Jacob, when Jacob looked at when Jacob looked at Dan, he didn't see the end result of Rachel's conniving. When Jacob looked at Dan, he didn't see a son that he resented having in his household. When he looked at Dan, he didn't see someone that shouldn't have never been in his home to begin with. But when when Jacob looked at Dan, he saw potential. When he looked at Dan, he saw purpose. Hallelujah! I'm thankful that God sees that. Let me ask you a question today. Have you ever stood in a church service? Have you ever stood surrounded by the people of God, many of them heroes of faith, and have you ever just wondered, what am I doing here? <laughs> I'm not trying to shred your self-worth today, but I'm just asking you, have you just... If you just ever stood around giants of the faith, heroes of the faith, you find yourself seated at the same table, you find yourself in the same room, and you wonder, what in the world am I doing here? Have you ever wondered how God would view me compared to them or how God views you compared to them, if especially especially if who we're comparing ourselves to seems to come from a better set of circumstances. Have you ever wondered why and what it was that caused God to place you in his family right where he has you and why are we a part of the kingdom? I want to tell you the reason and the answer for all of that, the reason for the whys is because God has a purpose for your life and God has a design for your life. God has a design and a desire to use the gifts that are in all of us. I'm want to tell you today that Dan didn't ask to be born into any of the confusion. He didn't ask to be the favored child of, 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 a, of a mother that was just manipulating and pulling strings. He didn't ask to be somehow put into second place. But you see while life was bouncing him here and moving him there, while life was shifting him this way and that way, God kept his eye on Dan and Dan had a purpose. And I tell you today that sometimes we see life push us here a while and push us there a while. Sometimes life can hide us what we think it is in a perpetual corner of darkness but God knows your purpose and God knows your potential and if we can just say Lord help me to keep my heart right in the midst of all of this God can bring life where there seems to be no hope. I'm thankful for God today. Amen. God knows what we're capable of, of, of accomplishing and God calls out the best in each and every one of us. In Ephesians 2 and 10, Paul says something very interesting. He said in Ephesians 2, 10, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. We are his workmanship, comma, created in Christ Jesus unto good works. God didn't just say, I'm gonna, I want a trophy here so I can put on a shelf. I, I want a memoir here that I can hang on the wall. But God said, I am gonna create something. I'm gonna create something that is gonna be used for my glory. Our new birth was not the end result of some man's manipulation. And our new, our new birth was the intention of God. And God brought us into the kingdom just like he brought others into the kingdom. And can I say for such a time as this, <laughs> for such a time as this, don't forget where and don't forget why God called us. Amazingly, Jacob even prophesied the manner in which Dan would judge or avenge 
Dan ultimately would not uh, fulfill his purpose with uh, maybe what we think someone would have to have in order to do and accomplish the things that he would accomplish. And so Dan was not used as others were used. Some great leaders were, were great leaders because of their brute strength. Some great leaders were great leaders because they knew how to just march into a city and take everything down with just one failed swoop. But you see, Dan was used through uh, in a very subtle way. You see, Samson was one of Dan's most famous and most recognizable descendants. He was a man known for his great strength. And so Samson did a lot of wonderful things, marvelous things. He did a lot of supernatural things. With a jawbone of a donkey, he, he kills thousands. With, with brute strength, he picks up the gate of the city and walks it to the top of the hill. On and on and on, we can think of all the things that Samson did. However, Samson's greatest victory over Israel's enemies happened to be his final victory. And it was here that Samson, blinded and broken, convinced a young Philistine boy to just lead me to the pillars that are supporting Dagon's temple. And with one final surge, he pulled the entire house down. And according to Judges 16, he killed more in his death than he did in his life. Amen. That was the power of Dan. That was the power of Dan. When you're not looking, when you're not watching, God has anointed him to pull down and to walk in his purpose. And that is why Genesis 49 and 17 says this, Dan shall be a serpent by the way, an adder in the path that biteth the horse heels so that the rider shall fall backwards. Dan, Dan is anointed and Dan can strike when no one's looking and Dan can take down the greatest and the mightiest and Dan is gonna work in ways that are subtle. Jacob would have never known and couldn't have never known that centuries later, Dan's descendants would overthrow Laish and slaughter its inhabitants and, and this would fulfill prophecy at least in part. The, res the residents of Laish were unsuspecting of the danger until the attack came with such force from a tribe of Dan descending on their city and wiping them out. It's like an adder in the way, like that serpent in the path. That was going to be his strength. Jacob closed, uh, Jacob closed the portion of his prophecy that applied to Dan by saying in Genesis 49 and 18, he said, I have waited for thy salvation, O Lord. I have waited for thy salvation, O Lord. Now, to be honest with you, when you're reading this story and when you're reading uh, through this, um, this final statement or this final uh, parting word of, of Jacob to his son, Dan, this scripture just seems somewhat out of context. And as a matter of fact, I, I'm sure that it has been interpreted many different ways, but perhaps he was reminding his son of something that victory comes through God's power. He said, I have waited for thy salvation, O Lord. Dan, I need you to learn something from everything you've been through in your life. Victory will come through God's power and not what your mom and daddy were doing. Scheming and planning and plotting. Not what you've seen lived out before you. Don't be like them. 
don't walk like them. Don't try to get ahead of me and just, I'm going to wait on the Lord. I'm going to wait on the Lord. I'm going to wait on the Lord. I read an interesting illustration. I don't want to get ahead of myself, but I read an interesting illustration uh, last night where a man many, many years ago, um, he fell in love with his next door neighbor and he kept slipping love letters under her door. He didn't have the courage to ask her on a date, didn't have the courage to ask her hand in marriage, so he kept slipping love letters under the door. Not one of them did she ever respond to? Not one. Finally, 42 years later, he got the courage to ask her. And she said yes. She said, I'm what? She, he asked, what would you do with all the letters? She said, I tore them up. If you didn't have the courage to ask me, I wasn't going to answer. Good things come to those who wait. I'm not sure how many people would wait 42 years. I'm not sure that I could have waited and would have waited 42 years. And don't look at me crooked because you wouldn't have either. Amen. Can I get you back? All right, here we go. Dan had been raised by parents who constantly relied on flesh, self, trying to get ahead of God. We'll, we've got this. We'll work it out. Their dishonest strategies were most often at odds with God and God's plan and God's will. And as I made mention earlier, Dan was born to a household servant. And as a result, born to an household servant, as a result of just scheming and lying and plotting and planning, all because Rachel was jealous of Leah. All the wrong reasons. We've got a child in the house now. When Rachel later had two children of her own, Dan and his brother, Naphtali, undoubtedly were relegated to the second tier of their family structure. Considering this, perhaps Jacob's final word of prophecy was God's way of reminding Dan that you can't rely on schemes and tricks and you can't rely on your own thing. Instead, he's saying on his dying bed, wait on God. How long should we wait? I say we wait until God opens the door. We wait until the timing is right. I'm not asking anybody here to do something that I haven't lived out in my own life. Many, many, many times over. I've had words of prophecy given to me from people that I truly had confidence in and, 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 and had a lot of faith in them as a, as a minister of the gospel. And, and so, you know, when a word comes to you, it just seems imminent. We're just, you just go and pack your suitcase, you know, just in the morning, it's gonna be right there. UPS is gonna drop it off at the door. But that's not how God works. God can give you a word and remain silent. I don't wanna hurt your feelings this morning, but God can give you a word and remain silent for years. Amen. And so he's just going to watch us walk and we won't suffer in silence. I'm not suggesting that. But as Dan stood at his dying father's bedside, he listened to some words that forever changed his life. He was reminded that your mother 
years ago named you Dan, which means judge. Amen, that was more than just a mother talking, but I heard that. Amen, and you will be a judge, and you will be one of the 12 tribes of Israel. What a mother had spoken in his life as a child when he was too young to even comprehend had now been confirmed by his dying father. His life had a purpose. He was born to serve as a judge. But Dan and his descendants would soon discover another, another important truth. And you know, according uh, to, to our study this month, that there's more to this story. But here's, here's an important lesson that Dan had to learn and that we should all learn. That others may help us and direct us and point us even in, 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 the, in the line or set the trajectory of where God would have us to go, but it is up to us what we do with that. It's up to us what we do with that. Amen. I, I'm going I'm, I'm to, I must close here, but you see, most of God's promises come with a similar condition. And that is this, and it was what has been quoted time and time and time again. Chronicles 7 and 14, if we could just boil it down to a succinct message, it would be this, if my people who are called by my name will, then I will. And that, that's just, we could boil it all down to those few words. If you will, I will. And sometimes we need people in our lives to remind us of our purpose and our promise and to encourage us we need that. We're human beings. We need somebody to help us. But it is what we do with that favor. You know, if I could just say this, and I'll, I've shared this story before, but it was just such a pointed, it's a rare thing, at least I think for just common people to come upon a, a situation like this. But my wife and I, many years ago, were eating with her cousin and, and her boyfriend. We were... Um, in a restaurant, we were at a, on a lake and there was a canal beside this lake and joining another lake. And, and uh, we were sitting there by that canal enjoying our meal and somebody on a jet ski just came through that canal. I mean, at a blistering pace. At first, you know, we were kind of aggravated and what in the world's going on, but the man spun that machine around to the dock and it was, you could tell something had gone horribly wrong. He was running for help and so Eddie and I jumped up from the table and we ran outside and, and uh, when we went outside, the young man was pointing back. He was pointing back. He had just, just beyond the restaurant was a train trestle. And under that train trestle, and I'm not trying to be crass today, but under that train trestle was, was the body of a young man who had hung himself under that train trestle. We ran down, Eddie and I ran down, the man, the young man, a few others. We ran down to see if we could do anything to help but from our vantage point, there was no way to get to him. And it, as a matter of fact, it was too late. And we stood there and it was just, it was just the, the strangest, oddest, saddest moment. But if there was anything that could add another layer of sadness was that ironically enough, we found out just a few days later that my wife has another cousin that was the manager of a Walgreens store in uh, Frostproof. And one of her customers, this was her son, and they were exceptionally wealthy. And their son had gotten involved in drugs and running with the wrong crowd. 
and they had moved him to another city and bought him an apartment. And this young man had, um, the, the mother told my wife's cousin, if the story, if I remember, had something like $100,000, maybe even more. They had, put, they had bought him an apartment and put that much money in a bank account trying to give him a fresh start. And yet, when I heard the second part of that story, all my mind could go to, and again, I'm not trying to be uncouth, but all my mind could go to was just watching that body just in my mind, just lifeless body. Here's my point. It doesn't matter how straight somebody can set the trajectory in our life. It doesn't matter what kind of purpose we have. It doesn't matter what kind of potential we have. If we choose not to take advantage of that, then we ourselves can find ourselves under a spiritual train trestle, lifeless. It won't matter how much potential we have it won't matter what kind of call is on our life. It won't matter how, how much teaching you had, how straight somebody set you and how clearly somebody pointed the path out in front of you. If we say, not for me, we have the potential to implode our own life and future. And so I'm gonna tell you today, if you're here in this house and you're here in my voice this morning, if you're here in this house and you can hear the word of the Lord, I'm gonna tell you, get off the fence, get off the fence, get off the fence, get off the fence. This is not the time to be peering over, trying to figure out what we can get by with, what we can add in our lives. We need to lay aside every weight and the sin that does so easily beset us. Amen, I need to lean in and give God every fiber of my soul. I need to give him everything, everything, everything. Would you stand? Amen. Dan had a purpose. Dan had a purpose. He could have been societally looked at like, what are you doing here? He could have been looked at by his own family members that said, you know, you're somewhat in the way now. We're here. But God had a purpose. God had a purpose. Lord, I love you today. And I'm asking you to touch our minds and our hearts. Strengthen us, Lord, by your divine authority. Help us to walk with you in, in a sure way. Help us to walk with sure steps now. And knowing us and strengthen us in Jesus' name. Amen. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806. Or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.